Match Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is your spot before and after the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team's match against Nigeria. Match begins at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, September 6th at Audi Field. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Caprillion delivers, Voigt swings and drives going to deep right center field. This is way back. This ball is going, going, gone, goodbye. His fifth home run in a Nationals uniform and his 18th of the year is a two-run shot to give the Nationals a four-run fifth inning. Now the right-hander ready, the 2-2 pitch. Pache hits a slow ground ball towards short. Abrams feeds off to Garcia for one. On to first. Double play. And the inning over. They turn it over again. 6-4-3. And Sanchez finishes seven innings against the Oakland A's tonight. Abrams to Garcia to Voigt. And the inning over. And welcome to Nats Chat for Thursday, September 1st, 2022, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, leave it to our guy, Anibal Sanchez, now that the trade deadline has long since passed, to start pitching like it's the second half of the 2019 season. And, you know, now he may be convincing the Nats to bring him back for one more season next season. You gotta love it. Anibal Sanchez on Wednesday night was great. The Nats for a second straight game hit, including C.J. Abrams finally getting an extra base hit and finally working a walk. And the Nats got one win closer to clinching, not suffering, the indignity of 110 losses. A 5-1 win over the American League worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park in Game 2 of a three-game series. That's now a Major League worst 44 and 86. So getting closer to that uh, oh-so-important 53rd win of the season. But what about it, Mark? Anibal Sanchez, is he actually making the case? Is he actually convincing the Nats to bring him back for another season next season? Oh, I'm not going that far yet, Al. <laughs> let's let's see him do this against the Mets and the Phillies and the Braves and whoever else he may be facing in September. But I will give him credit for this. This wasn't a one-off. He had been building up to a start like this. His last three outings now, he's actually been really good. In those three starts, he has gone 16 and a third innings, and he's allowed a total of two runs on six hits. So he's actually... <laughs> pitching quite effectively. And the difference in this one versus the others is that his pitch count was low enough and the team held a lead that they actually were able to let him keep going. And he completed seven innings for the first time in two years. 
August 23rd, 2020, the last time he went seven. And the previous time he did it before that was game one of the NLCS in St. Louis when he flirted with a no-hitter. So this is not something we've seen from him a lot, but good for him. He's stuck with it. He kept saying, Davey Martinez kept saying, give him time. Let him get into a rhythm. Let him pitch every fifth day. I think he's going to find it again. And you know what? He found it, albeit against a very bad team, but he found it and good for him. He finally got his first win in a long time. Yeah, I think Mike Rizzo is loving this. You know how much he loves the older players. He's waiting for a reason to bring back older guys, and Anibal is giving Mike the reason. We'll see. He was good. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about it. This season is actually kind of sort of playing out like that 2019 season in which he got off to the really bad start then went out with the hamstring injury, then came back and was like a different pitcher. Now, you know, different circumstances this year. And this time the injury came before the struggle. So he was hurt and then he struggled and now he's turning things around. But he is turning things around and it's it's remarkable, actually. I mean, Anibal Sanchez over his first six starts had an ERA of 720. I mean, it felt almost non-functional when he pitched and, you know, better the last two outings, but he obviously wasn't going deep into games. And then in this game on Wednesday night, He went deep into the game, uh, albeit against one of the poor hitting teams in baseball. The only damage off him came in the top of the second. And this was damage, although it was only a solo homer. But this was a mammoth one-out solo homer by Dermis Garcia on a bomb to left field for a 1-0 A's lead. 467 feet per stat cast. I got to tell you, that's one of the longest home runs I think I've ever seen someone hit at Nationals Park. That was some shot by Garcia. And it's one of those that as soon as it came off the bat, you knew. Like there was no question of, oh, well, how far is that going to go? It was, no, this is going to go a super long way. I didn't know anything about Dermis Garcia prior to uh, Tuesday night, but I'll tell you what, he's got two homers now. Both of his only two home runs in the big leagues have come the last two nights. I don't know if he's got a future with the A's or not, but it was impressive to see that. But credit to Anibal for shaking that one off. You know, he has given up some homers this year, but you're going to give up a solo homer like that in the second inning, bounce back, and he never let them do anything else the rest of the night. I think it was maybe one other runner that even reached scoring position the rest of the night. He was keeping the ball on the ground. He benefited from good defense behind him. Go figure. Good infield defense makes a difference, especially for a pitch-to-contact guy like Anibal Sanchez. It was good stuff. I mean, that really felt like a complete victory and a complete performance from him in this game. Yeah. I mean, aside from the homer, the only two hits that he gave up were singles. He issued three walks and a hit by pitch, had four strikeouts, 95 pitches, 57 strikes, 38 balls. You know, right now with the Nats, you have guys like, I guess you have to say, Anibal Sanchez, but also Joey Manessis and Ildemaro Vargas. And you certainly salute them for the work they're doing. But in the bigger picture, you know, it's hard to know what to make of that. It continues to be that what matters the most is what the potential building blocks do. And so it was very nice to see, and it is very nice to be able to say, that C.J. Abrams on Wednesday night was a meaningful contributor offensively to what the Nationals did in this game. He went one for three with a double and a walk. Go figure. C.J. Abrams came into this game having not registered a single extra base hit, nor having worked a single walk for the Nats since they brought him up from AAA Rochester on August 15th, and yet he, in the same game, ends up getting his first extra base hit and drawing his first walk. 
He and a Nats four-run fifth had a leadoff seven-pitch walk for his first walk as a Nat at the Major League level. And then Abrams in the Nats one-run sixth, a two-out double to right field despite having been down to the count at 1.02, his first extra base hit as a Nat at the Major League level. Look, we're looking, I'm sure he's looking for any kind of a spark to get him going offensively. This maybe, hopefully, possibly is that game. Good job by C.J. Abrams to finally get himself an extra base hit and a walk. This was his best all-around game since coming here so far since the trade, and it wasn't just at the plate. Yes, the walk was great. The double was great. He also hit a ball to the warning track in his first at-bat. He just got under it. He almost hit that one out. So good night offensively, but I'll tell you what, the base running, first to third on that little bobbled ball by the second baseman, and he never broke stride. He read it perfectly, and he got there, and you saw what a difference he can make with his legs. And then, like I said earlier, started a couple of double plays, very clean in the field. You saw the full range of what C.J. Abrams can do in this game, and that's why even though, yeah, Anibal Sanchez was the story of the game for this particular night, C.J. Abrams, I think, was the most important thing that happened in this game in a bigger picture because we did finally see that all come together and show off all the different skills that he has and why the Nats are so excited about him. Now, he's got to do this over and over again, of course, but you saw patience at the plate in the walk. You saw some power with the double and the ball, the warning track. You saw the speed on the bases and you saw clean defense. That's a lot of skills that he put on display and that was really encouraging to see. Yeah, I mean, in watching him, he comes off as too talented to not ultimately be a good player. Like, the talent is there. You know, it's not like we've all been sold a bill of goods on this guy. Like, no, he is really gifted. And I would be stunned if he doesn't end up becoming at least a good major league player. I mean, Baseball America named this guy the best hitter in all of minor league baseball. Unless Baseball America is way off, like, there is something to him as an offensive player. It's been rough. I mean, I was looking at some of the numbers coming into the game. So, you know, I'll often cite OPS plus. His OPS plus with the Nats coming into the game was minus two, minus two. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That is so bad. And he's not that bad. Like he's better than that. And I was thinking about this too. So one of the top candidates for American League Rookie of the Year is the Orioles catcher, Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman upon being summoned to the majors, was really bad offensively. This kind of gets forgotten. For the first like month or so, he was really bad. He wasn't doing anything. And then all of a sudden, it clicked, and he has caught fire, and he now is like this doubles machine, and he draws all these walks, and he's an Orioles number two batter game in, game out. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens with C.J. Abrams. Like When it clicks, I could see this guy catching fire, and obviously, hopefully, it clicks over the course of the remaining few weeks in this season. Yeah. Look at the minor league track record. He hit everywhere that he had been. And not just he hit for average, he got on base. So he does know how to draw walks. It's not like it's not a part of his game. And he hit for power pretty much everywhere that he's been. Now, this year in the big leagues has been a different story, but I think we all acknowledge he's been thrown into a tough spot. First with the Padres as the fill-in for an injured Fernando Tatis. And now with the Nationals as the centerpiece, at least first centerpiece of that big trade. And he did this without playing a whole lot at AAA and really with very little minor league experience overall, it's under 500 plate appearances, I think, in the minor leagues. So essentially one total season spent in the minors. So give him time. 
I think obviously, like you said, you can see that the skills are there. He has proven to be successful offensively at each level he's been at prior to the big leagues. Give him time. And I think he will be at this level as long as he doesn't let that pressure get to him. I haven't necessarily seen that. You do see that he gets a little over anxious. He swings a lot of pitches out of the zone, but that's where the walk I think was significant. He said it afterwards that like he knew to stay patient, force the ball to be over the plate. If they don't give it to you, take your walk, and now you can cause damage on the bases with your speed, which he absolutely did. It's funny with the Nats, their top three position-playing prospects right now in terms of guys at the major league level, Abrams, Kbert Ruiz, Luis Garcia, each guy is someone who does not draw walks. Like You just do not see it often. You'd like to see that change with all three of them. Hopefully, it does. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Ildemaro Vargas? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. Works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons, just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflict. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you, and that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call him today at 202-486-3535 or check out his website, zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a Rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Here's a swing and a line drive, a base hit into left field. Kemp toward the line will pick it up. Ildemaro Vargas scores, and the Nationals take the lead 2-1. to one. Palacio stops at second, and Luis Garcia has driven in a run for the second straight game with a single to left, his 28th RBI, and the Nationals take the lead. That's, boy, a good swing and a pitch away, taking it the other way through the hole. Luis Garcia, he had himself a good night on Wednesday night. He was the Nats' number one batter. It was good to see that. Continues to be the starting second baseman. Two for four with a double and an RBI single. He and the Nats four-run fifth. An opposite field RBI single through the left side of the infield for a 2-1 Nats lead. Bottom of the seventh, a leadoff double to right field on an 0-2 pitch. I think he's actually looked pretty good since coming off the 10-day injured list. He was on that for a few weeks with the left groin strain. And I would say this, you know, in this season in which there hasn't been a lot to sink your teeth into in terms of positives, I think one positive is this. Luis Garcia this season at the major league level has taken a step forward offensively. He was not a particularly good hitter the last two years in his various stints at the major league level. He's been better this season. He looks better. He goes the opposite way. He he has this penchant now for, to where when there's that vacant left side of the infield, he finds a way to poke the ball through that side. He's done that countless times. I think he's done a pretty good job with two strikes. You want to see the power go up, although he has displayed some pop here. And I think like not that there are you know many positives you can cite, but I do think that that is one that Luis Garcia this season has shown that his offensive success in the minors maybe is going to end up translating to the majors. He's been better to me. Yeah, and I think we've focused so much on the defense because he was at shortstop and that was the whole deal of like, okay, well, can this guy actually be big league shortstop or not? And, and it was such a struggle for him that we maybe forgot about really his best skill is what he does at the plate. And he had a really good year at AAA before they called him up. And we're seeing more of that. Like you said, the ability to go the other way, nice RBI single. He also homeward to the opposite field on Tuesday night. So he has that in him as well. I thought this was a very good game for him in all regards at the plate and in the field as well. The double down the right field line in the seventh. So what I would guess is that by being at second base now, some of the pressure is off. They're not expecting him to be the centerpiece of their infield from a defensive standpoint. Go out and make the plays you know how to make. Work well with this another young, dynamic middle infielder that you have to work with now. And then go out and hit the way that we know you can. Glad to see him leading off. I want to see more of that. Give him a shot. See what he can do in that spot. Let him just go play because he has skills. Just like Abrams, a little different, the type of skills, but he has skills. We know he can put the bat on the ball. We know he had good offensive numbers this year. We know he can drive the ball to the opposite field, all that kind of stuff. So that's all good. And I, I hope that him being at second base the rest of the way, he's going to feel like, okay, the weight of the world isn't on my shoulders anymore. Let me just go play ball the way I know how to play ball. Speaking of going the opposite way, Luke Voigt on Wednesday night, he went the opposite way, a two-run homer. He needed that. Luke Voigt's been scuffling a little bit. He had a rough night on Tuesday night, 0 for 5, three strikeouts left, four men on base, but Voigt on Wednesday night in that Nats four-run fifth, a two-out, two-run opposite field home run to right center field for a 4-1 Nats lead, 409 feet per stat cast. There was a great slow motion replay on Masson of the home run. And, you know, Luke Voigt, I mean, he's all jacked up. He's one of the more uh, bulky Nationals players 
But he does the thing, and so many great hitters do this, where he is like in perfect balance when the swing is doing exactly what it needs to do. And he crushed that ball, and the replay did such a great job of illustrating like how you want your swing to look. We know Luke Voigt can hit. You know, like I said, he hasn't really hit a lot lately, but that was a pretty impressive home run. It was. It also came on a night when he took a ton of mighty swings, and when he doesn't connect. That slow-mo replay does not look so good because the timing is off and he doesn't have that smooth swing where all the parts are in sync together. So that's the challenge for him is to keep that all in sync, not try to yank every ball to left field. Four out of his five homers since coming to the Nationals have been to right center field. So that tells you everything you know right there. Stay on the ball, drive it the other way. He can hit it out like that. You don't have to twist your shoulders and your hips and try to pull everything down the left field line. So he knows that. He's done this long enough in his career to understand when he's going well, what he's doing, and when he's not what he's doing. So he's got to find that more consistently. I think he was frustrated by a lot of it, but it is good to see that he has that swing in him. He just needs to start showing that a little bit more consistently. And again, we don't really know where he fits in the long-term plan, but he is under team control for another year. So if they want him back and want to pay him what he would make through arbitration, he's on this team again next year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, look, there's a lot we don't know. We don't know who the owner is going to be. We don't know what the payroll plan is going to be. But there are not a lot of hefty salaries on this team for next season once you get beyond Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. And I almost feel like you shouldn't count those if you're trying to figure out like what the payroll truly is. So, you know, if you're in the mood to spend anything, spend whatever it is on Void. And then, you know, hopefully you can trade him at some point because a guy can hit. You know, we're learning as we go with him. He seems like he's one of these guys who, when he catches fire, he can really catch fire. And maybe you can parlay that into getting something back for him. Ildemaro Vargas has been on fire for weeks now. This remains one of the more unlikely developments for the Nats this season. The job that a defensive player has done offensively for the Nats since being brought up to the majors. He had another multi-hit game on Wednesday night. A two for four with an RBI double and a single. He and the Nats, one run six, had a two-out RBI double to left to give the Nats the 5-1 lead. I think, though, that what stood out more than anything from Vargas in this game was the slide that he had into third base. Now a play at third on Vargas, and the throw there, safe as the call at third. It looked like the throw beat him. I don't know how Eldemaro Vargas got in under that tag. So in that four-run fifth, Vargas reached base via error. And he on a Josh Palacios opposite field RBI single. Yes, Josh Palacios actually started on Wednesday night. He's been like in the witness protection program these last few weeks since the Nats started bringing him up here. But Vargas on that single somehow advanced from first to third despite the throw to third beating Vargas by a mile. And this was one of those plays on which the Nats once again had run themselves into an out. You know, this this would have been like tailor-made for another conversation about how boneheaded the Nats have been on the base pass this season. But somehow, some way, Vargas slid around the tag of the A's third baseman, the former Nats prospect, Sheldon Noisy. I don't know how Vargas did this, but he did this. Pretty impressive that he found a way to do that. I think he actually watched the Matrix before the game. And that's where he got that move from because that's what it looked like. Keanu Reeves dodging the bullet, right? Okay. First of all, the decision to try to go first to third on a ball right in front of you in left field. This is not on the third base coach. This is on Vargas. He sees everything right in front of him. I don't know why he was thinking he was going to make it there. And he shouldn't have made it there. But to his credit, 
just when it looked like he was going to be out by a mile, he pulls off this swim move where he pulls one arm back, swings the other arm around, gets on the base. And then I thought that maybe even after all that, that maybe he had overslid the base or came off the base in some way and the tag was made. And then they looked at it on a replay and he was safe all along. And the funniest thing of it all, I don't know if you caught this, in live action, he slides in and he is safe, okay? And the umpire calls him safe, but he immediately signals to the dugout and looked at the umpire signaling safe as if to say, no, challenge it, challenge it. I was safe. It's like, no, you know what? It's okay, Ildemaro. You were called safe. You don't have to challenge it. So even he did not realize that the umpire saw what he did and was safe on it. So, I mean, a lot of things that looked bad there, but he pulled it off and credit to him because that was one of the more exciting moments of the night. And as they were showing that replay several times on the Jumbotron, the crowd was going nuts for it. They loved that move. Yeah, I mean, when things are going well, things are going really well. And that's what it feels like with Ildemaro Vargas right now. It's like he can do no wrong. And even when he does wrong, he ends up doing right. Like that decision to go to third base was a really bad decision. And yet it ended up working out well. Classic case of, you know, don't judge a decision by the result. The decision was terrible, but the result was beautiful. So I don't know. If you're Davey Martinez, do you talk to Ildemaro Vargas about that? I'm not sure how you handle that, but you don't want him doing that again. But I guess you don't mind that he did it that time. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. We are into September, a time for pennant races in baseball, and Window Nation is offering pennant race worthy savings. New windows from Window Nation at half the price. Get two free windows with every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Lower your energy bills, raise the value of your home with new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. Visit windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Window Nation windows are the best. You know, the longer that you have old drafty windows, the more money that you're wasting on your heating and cooling bills. Window Nation has saved customers over $60 million on energy bills. And the average Window Nation installer has over 16 years of experience with 20,000 windows installed. Window Nation windows are great. And Window Nation windows are installed right the first time. Take advantage of this terrific deal. Buy two windows, get two windows free. This goes for any style of new window from Window Nation and pay nothing until 2025. Visit windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION. That's windownation.com or 866-90-NATION and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. The way I take care of my mind is daily exercise. It is essential for me. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. There's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Everyone I know who does therapy swears by it. It feels like all I hear these days is how you have to start doing therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you don't have to fight traffic or look for parking. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash NatsChat. That's BetterHelp.com slash NatsChat. One ball, two strikes, two out, top of the ninth. The Nats leading 5-1. to one. 
Finnegan coming set. Third base side of the slab. He kicks. He delivers. A swing and a miss. He struck him out with a 98-mile-an-hour heater. And a curly W's in the books here at Nationals Park. That's bullpen on Wednesday night. So for a very rare occasion, Davey Martinez only had to use two relievers in a game and only had to cover two innings with his bullpen in a game. Carl Edwards Jr., a perfect top of the eighth. And then came the adventures of Kyle Finnegan in the top of the ninth inning. And this inning, in a lot of ways, could serve as like the ultimate showcase of what Kyle Finnegan is as a reliever because you saw the good. He had three strikeouts in the inning. And you saw the not-so-good, him loading the bases with two outs. Kyle Finnegan almost made a mess of this game. He gave up a double, a single, and a walk. It's so funny with him. Very talented. He can look so good. But just when you're ready to go all in on him, he does stuff like this. He puts guys on base. He gives up homers. And you never quite feel like he's this dominant back end of the bullpen guy. At the same time, you know, if you're ever ready to kind of give up on him, well, no, you can't. He's, he's striking out more than a batter per inning, and he can be dominant. And I thought that we saw, like, both Kyle Finnegan's on display in this one appearance on Wednesday night. Right. I mean, he topped out at 100 miles an hour with his fastball. He was also throwing some nasty splitters down in the zone and some sliders, that I think, registered 93. I mean, that was electric stuff from him. But what you also see is that he's got to have his command. If he puts it over the plate, he can be hit pretty hard. The double by Garcia, who, again, who knew who Dermis Garcia was prior to the other night? He's hit the ball really well in this series. So that wasn't so good. The walk, I'm actually going to give credit to the hitter. Machine is his name. He was more machine than man, I think, in that at bat because he was fouling off everything Finnegan was throwing at him. A long at bat that he drew the walk. And then just as you're worried, okay, here we go. He got Stephen Vote with the bases loaded. And I thought it was interesting at bat because you know Vote's up there with one thought in mind. Swing as hard as you can and try to tie the game with a grand slam. And Finnegan and Cabert Ruiz knew that and they started him off with some splitters down in the zone, throw off his timing before he finally finished him off with a good fastball away. So not the best of Finnegan, but I think there's also something to be said for getting into a jam and getting out of it and understanding how to get out of it and not letting that whole thing spiral out of control. So maybe a little something like that. This is, there's no save here. It's a four-run lead. You can't create your own save. But actually, in the end, I thought that was a, a pretty good performance and an important performance for him to pitch in that spot against, let's remember, the organization that he came up with. He didn't make it the big leagues with the A's. He was with them for a long time, became a minor league free agent, and the Nats gave him a major league deal despite the fact he'd never reached the big leagues before. And so I know that meant something to him to come back and face them a couple of years later. Yeah, the amount of connections between the Nationals and the A's over the years really is something. Like the trades, the guys who have been with both organizations, it's kind of crazy when you look back on it. We on Wednesday had becoming official, the very sad, depressing news that we discussed on this podcast on the previous installment, that uh, the Nats uh, officially putting Cade Cavalli on the 15-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. The Nats backdated that to August 28th. Because it was something that I never felt before, and um, it, was, it was not normal at all. And, uh, you know, as, as someone, you, you got to take care of your body. And uh, as much as I didn't want to say anything, you know, you got to... You have to. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to take care of my body as best as possible so I can be out on that field for a long time. The corresponding roster move was the Nats recalling Corey Abbott from AAA Rochester, but he will not be starting game three of this series. Paolo Espino will be doing that. What was the thinking behind that? 
So the thinking there was because Eric Fetty had only gone two and two thirds on Tuesday night and they had to use up a lot of the bullpen, they wanted Abbott available out of the bullpen for this game. Now, as it turns out, they didn't need him because Sanchez was great for seven. I don't think, I guess we didn't ask to confirm this, but they named Espino as the starter for Thursday. I don't think they're going to change that at this point. Powell's on normal rest. They had an off day this week, so they were fine with that. It's not a big deal to bring him back. And then Abbott will make a start here at some point, probably over the weekend in New York. All we know at this point is that Josiah Gray is definitely starting on Friday. After that, it's still up in the air. But that was a thought process there behind it. I think Abbott is essentially taking over in the rotation until somebody else is ready. And I guess that somebody would be Mackenzie Gore. So it could be a while. But we'll get another look at our guy, Paolo, on Thursday as they go for a series win over the A's. Not something they've had a lot of opportunities to do here this season. No. And I've been wondering, are we ever going to get our Nats sweep this season? And man, this homestand felt like it was ripe for that. And it's not happening on this homestand. And I don't know, with all those games against National League East teams, we may be denied our lone National Series sweep in the 2022 season. No sweeps, no grand slams yet this year from them. Uh, No walk-off wins yet from them. (laughs) So they've got, what, 32 more games to try to make that happen. I think the sweep is the least likely of them unless they finally catch the Marlins on a bad weekend. And God willing, it's got to happen eventually, right? Because the Marlins are not nearly as good as the Nats have made them look. But otherwise, they're facing the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, the Cardinals, and the Orioles. Every team other than the Marlins they face the rest of the way are contenders. And as we've seen, the Marlins have beaten them more than any contender has this year, 12 out of 13. Yeah, I mean, looking at the schedule, the Orioles series is a two-game series. So if you're going to sweep that, it's only two games as opposed to three or four games. But yeah, you don't feel great about the opportunity here for the Nats to get a sweep. I think the lack of a walk-off win might be the most extreme of all those things in terms of like things that the Nats haven't done this year. I mean, every team has a walk-off win. Plenty of teams finish a season with like five, six, seven, eight walk-off wins. I mean, you go to extra innings and you're at home and you get a walk-off win. Of course, the Nats have been so bad in these extra inning games the last two years, but that really stands out. Zero walk-off wins in a season. Yeah, and they've had opportunities. They've had opportunities in the ninth and they've had opportunities, as we know, in extra innings and never able to do it, not at home. I got to believe that one's going to fall before the end of the year, right? You got to get some kind of inspiring rally going against somebody. Maybe they'll take down Edwin Diaz of the Mets because nobody else has this year. Maybe Diaz will get a little too chesty with his trumpet and all that going on now these days. Maybe the Nats will be the one to take him down in the ninth inning. By the way, that's something that I want Kyle Finnegan to add to his arsenal because every great closer has a great entrance. And Edwin Diaz has the trumpets. There are other guys who have had great things, right? Trevor Hoffman had Hell's Bells, and Mariano Rivera had Enter Sandman. Felix Batista with the Orioles is coming into the game to the Omar whistle from the wire. Like, you can get creative. So we need something with Kyle Finnegan. I don't know what that something is. You can't force it. You got to kind of let it develop. Maybe that's what he needs to, like, finally push him over the edge to be, like, that dominant closer that we want him to be. How about at least 10 saves before he, like, has a shtick? You know, let's establish yourself as a closer before you actually do that. Yeah, although some of those guys, uh, they started uh, like Batista. I don't, I don't even know if he has 10 saves, but he's getting that <laughs> treatment. So I thought he's, he's been dominant. Yeah. One more thing real quick. I, I just wanted to hit on this. So I saw Davey Martinez. He made the comments on Tuesday about what happened with the commander's running back, Brian Robinson Jr., with him getting shot in D.C. on Sunday. And it reminded me of something 
that I feel like has never been given proper attention, at least by like mainstream sports media in this area. When Wilson Ramos got kidnapped, and I remember this pretty clearly because I was doing a Saturday morning radio show at the time, and I remember I had you on as a guest, and I remember talking to you about it, and I was like, how is this not a bigger deal? But November 2011, Wilson Ramos got kidnapped in Venezuela. He got held at gunpoint and whisked away in an SUV. This was the first known kidnapping of a major league player in Venezuela. And if you ever look up how he was rescued, he was rescued, as was described by the Associated Press, as police and the kidnappers exchanged heavy gunfire in the remote area where he was being held. He said his kidnappers had carefully planned the abduction and told him they were going to demand a large ransom. The rescue reads like something out of Narcos. It's unbelievable that this happened to Wilson Ramos. It's a miracle that he ended up coming out of it, you know, fine, at least as far as we know. Did he ever talk about it extensively, like what happened in that experience? Because that is something. It Like, it, it reads like fiction, but it's fact. Like, this actually happened with Wilson Ramos more than a decade ago. Yeah. So, I'm taking me back now a ways to that one. A couple of things. Yes, when he did return to the U.S. and came to Nationals Park and they had all of us over to come interview him and, and he spoke about it. And after that, he really didn't talk about it very much. I don't think it was something he wanted to get into uh, a lot. He was also still very young at that point. He had had one big league season in him, full big league season. I think he came up with the Nats late in 2010. So he wasn't the well-known player and name that he became later on. The Nats as a franchise were still pretty unknown at that point in 2011. So he was not a big name. Not to say that it didn't deserve more coverage. It was also, and I don't want to sound callous about it because as it was far more important that he was safe than what kind of information I was getting as a reporter, but it was a very difficult story to cover because you're in Washington, D.C. This is in Venezuela. There's not a lot of people you can get in touch with who know what's going on, including the nationals themselves. And because there were some secret operations going on, they didn't really want to say anything until they knew that he was safe and that everything was fine. But it was a crazy and scary few days when that happened. Everybody was relieved when it was over with. And I know it is something that you know stuck with him for a long time and was a part of his life. And we think about everything that he became after that. He really grew up a lot to become a really good player, a really good teammate, and a very gentle soul. Just a very nice, soft-spoken guy who was well-liked by everybody who came around him there. So that was a crazy situation. Now that I think back on it, Tim Shovers reminds us that uh, maybe it didn't get as much attention because the Jerry Sandusky story was going on at the same time in 2011. I can't believe it's been that long since that happened either. But Probably one of those where if the Nats were better, if Ramos had been up a little bit longer, maybe it gets more attention or if he's playing for a different franchise. But it, yeah, it, it was one of those things that you kind of forget in the history of this organization. That was a very scary few days as that all played out. Yeah. And I know from a DC sports perspective, November 2011 was four years to the month of the murder of Sean Taylor. And so we were still relatively close to that having happened. And so, you know, when you hear that Ramos has been kidnapped, you don't know what to think is going to end up happening with the guy. And yeah, this Brian Robinson Jr. thing, you know, in, in connection to the Nats kind of brought me back to that. You know, there are, of course, so many major league players from Latin America. We know that this stuff goes on in Latin America. Are there precautions taken when these players go back to their home countries? I mean, I know that there's only so much that you can do and you don't want players living in fear, but 
obviously, you see something like this happen with Ramos. We saw what happened with David Ortiz a few years ago. You got to be careful. Yeah, there's more awareness of it now since then. Like you said, that was like one of the first cases of, of an active player like that, of it happening. More generally, it would have been like a family member and they're trying to hold the athlete for ransom, you know, to make them pay to get the relative back. So the fact that they actually took a live professional athlete was was quite scary. They talk with those players a lot about making sure you have security with you. I know for him and his family, it was important that he then was able to bring his family to the US and he really didn't spend as much time in Venezuela. After that, if I remember right, it happened right outside his home. They drove right up and grabbed him out of the car right in front of his house and took him away. So you would think that that should be a very safe place to be. But when you are a high profile and very rich professional athlete in some of those countries, it does make you a target for the wrong reasons. And so it is something that all these athletes learn about and everybody tries to be a little more cognizant of it and aware of it. But it is sadly something that some of them have to deal with that the uh, American born players don't ever really have to think about as much. Yeah, crazy stuff. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the podcast, hit up Tim Shovers. Uh, again, that email address, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, too, at NatsChatPodcast. You can get yourself or someone who you know a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to NatsChatPodcast.com. Dot square dot site. All Nationals radio highlights on that chat are courtesy of 1067 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And we're learning new details about the dramatic rescue of Washington Nationals catcher Wilson Ramos. He was freed from kidnappers Saturday following a two-day hostage ordeal. ABC's David Curley has the details from Washington. Wilson Ramos thought he'd never hug his family again, frightened he wouldn't survive the kidnapping ordeal. He talked to our sister network, ESPN. I'm, I'm very happy with my mom. You know, I'm safe now. That was, that was a hard time for me. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.